listening to Ouija Broads. This is Devin. This is Liz. Hey, Liz, we've got some patrons to thank, I believe. I would like to thank some new patrons that joined us recently. I think there's often a little overlap Mm -hmm. between the ones that we do in one batch and the next, but that's just a special bonus for you. So I want to thank Amanda, Ryan, Amelia, Phaedra, and I'm not done, James, and Donald upped Donald's pledge. I realized (gasps) I should stop throwing pronouns on people. So Donald, thank you for upping your pledge. Thank you, Donald. Thank you. James, Phaedra. Amelia, Ryan, Amanda. You're, That's awesome. It's, Thank you, patrons. Thank you, Past, patrons. present, and future. future. Thank you so much, patrons. Liz, you gave me a prompt for this episode. I find you respond well to direction. I respond so well to direction. Oh, my goodness. Everyone, if that's what you want me to get, yeah, open-ended, I'm terrible at. But if you give me a path to head down, I will go all the way to the end. Yep, she's with you, everybody. She'll yes, do it. Yes, so your prompt was that I should research the ghosts, plural, of Pike Place Market that we haven't already discussed. Yes, because way, way back around mm-hmm. episode six or so, I did Princess Angeline. That was my very first West Side story, I think. Yes, I Wait, believe so. That, that's a different thing. That's a very <laughs> different <laughs> thing. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I didn't do that on purpose. It's really good, though. (laughs) But uh, I'm delighted with my accidental musical reference. (laughs) I noticed. we covered Princess Angeline, who Mm -hmm. is Chief Seattle's daughter, and haunts Pike Place Market, allegedly. It was so far back in time we made Pokemon Go jokes. (laughs) Did we seriously? Oh, wow. Wow. No, once they uh, once they got to the patch in Pokemon Go where they brought out that fucking little candle thing, one of the dumbest Pokemon, I was just over it. Done. Forget it. Oh, okay. I, was, I, was, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's fine. I was already mad that they did more than the original 150 base Pokemon. Those are the only ones I know and care about, so. Anyway, so Pike Place Market. So Pike Place back Market. then, we had said... I had said probably mm-hmm. someday we'll go and do the other ghosts. And yeah. I, I apparently feel like I have loose ends to tidy up. Let's spend more time on the hell trolley. Let's go back <laughs> to Pike Place. This is a very like cathartic end of the year thing for you, I feel. You know, yeah. it's like how the uh, there's that that Chinese tradition of you can't go into exactly. the new year with any clothing no with holes buttons. in it. <laughs> No dirt on the floor. Can you tell that Liz and I exchanged the same Amy Tan novels over and over again in high school? <laughs> I still read those. Man. Yes. I don't even know. God. But the, uh, I like the idea, but it would never, ever work with this show because I feel like every episode I do, I say, I'm probably going to do and then list about five things. It's marvelous, though. You always have really good ideas. And actually, this was the first time that I, in a while, that I didn't need a prompt. I had two other ideas, two other paths that I was going to go down. But it's just so nice to have you focus me. So, Ghosts of Pike Place Market is an absolutely huge topic, as I found out. There (laughs) There are way more than Princess Angeline, and actually way more than I will be able to fit into this one follow-up episode. So, (laughs) I know, this may become a three-parter, but... Get out. Get out, I will not. Today, I'm going to bring you four different ghosts that are said to haunt Pike Place. That's wonderful. You ready to get spooked? I'm ready to get spoopy. Get spoopy. Well, let's talk... Wait, first, Evan, tell them about the Dew Ghost. (laughs) (laughs) for for a while i had the absolute pleasure of living within a mile of a dollar store everyone in spokane it was that dollar store that's now owen's auction on 17th and uh ray a weird (laughs) very cursed building very cursed building it was excel foods and then it was something and then the dollar store was marvelous though because many of their their items were of course imports and there was they were the imports that didn't even pass quality control so one for the other dollars for the other dollar stores (laughs) so one time i sent liz a care package i think it was her first year of school so it was like 2002 Mm -hmm. or 2003 and it had a little a little you know fabric 
ghost wall hanging friend on him and on his chest instead of boo, he said, do. <laughs> Black felt letters. Black felt letters. D O O. Do. Do. It was the best dollar I've ever spent. It wasn't even like a, oh, that B kind of looks like a D. That was fully and completely the letter D. Absolutely. That was the Do Ghost. Do you still have the Do Ghost? I have the do go someplace because yeah. I wouldn't have gotten rid no. of him, but I don't know exactly where he is. It's probably no. my parents' house someplace. I just remember how much he delighted you. Well, you know, one of my favorite things in the world, <laughs> things that will always make Liz laugh, misspelled words. <laughs> the concept of the reverse of something. <laughs> oh my reverse God. petting zoo. Reverse centaur. Reverse werewolf. Comedy gold every time. It's my favorite. I have a new reverse for you. Oh, yeah? The fun committee, and I'm part of it, the fun committee at work was asked. <laughs> fun committee? What kind of fascist terror organization are you working with? The fun committee. It's mandated Some fun. Brazil movie shit. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Look at that. The fun committee's on the loose tonight. Either that or a great prog rock band. (laughs) It could be both. (laughs) Sorry, I spent like 20 minutes drinking and troubleshooting, and I'm off the shits already. You are so fucking punchy. (sighs) No, so the fun committee was asked to to help give (laughs) ideas for the annual Christmas party, which involves... um, which involves uh, the board as well as staff. And so, you know, I came up with some great ideas, like a cookie decorating station or, you know, like mm-hmm. a Sarah Winchester mystery mansion version of a gingerbread house where we all just added on to a basal component. Nice. But my my best one, which almost got me kicked off the fun committee, was, rever- <laughs> was reverse Santa. And they said, what the fuck is reverse Santa? And I <laughs> said, it's... On your lap. I said, no, I said, it's when... It's when everybody comes to the the party dressed as Santa and we hire a guy dressed in a business suit and he sits in a chair and we all sit on his lap for our pictures. You promoted to CEO of the entire organization, right? not just chair of the fun committee. Right? Sorry, not not just a fewer yeah. of the fun committee, but CEO. CEO fucking it out. stuck with me because on this show one time I was telling you about how Lydia would always grab playground rocks. She still does this and fill her pockets with them and then take them out <laughs> when she was at the house. And you referred to it as reverse Shawshank. And every time I dig rocks out of her pockets, I think of that and start laughing. She's reverse Shawshanking me. She is reverse Shawshanking you. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready for my ghost now, please. Are you ready for your ghost? (laughs) I'll be good. I'm going to piss off everybody who who comments and says that we don't get to the story fast enough. Because I am going to tell you just briefly the history of Pike Place Market. I think we should set the scene if we're going to talk about the, you know, spirits that haunt this after their death. Well, that's appropriate. Otherwise, people are just going to think it's some grocery store. It's not a grocery store. It is the, like, I don't have anything to back this up. This is just niggling in my brain. But I believe it's, like, the biggest open-air public market in America or the longest continuously running one. It's got some kind of fucking accolade. It is a big deal. I know you all know Seattle. You have to know Seattle. Pike Place Market is one of the couple things that you would know about Seattle. Kurt Cobain, coffee, rain, space needle, Pike Place Market. Nailed it. Nailed it. Pike Place Market is the place that's famous for the fishmongers who throw their Mm -hmm. fish. It is a now big, long, open-air market. It is covered. There's a roof. But it is mostly open to the elements. You know, all along one side is open. And it is just full of the most marvelous little farm and craft stalls you ever did see. But it began in 1907. 
and it began as a reaction, I guess, to price gouging by produce wholesalers. How dare they? How dare they? I did not know this was, like, a thing you had to look out for, but apparently... So, Seattle had doubled its population in a decade. In 19... No, in 1890, it had, like, 40,000 people, and by 1900, it had 80,000 people. Wow. Doubled. Well, doubled. Doubled. Absolutely doubled. So what we've got are 80,000 people in the city who, of course, want to eat. And Seattle, like most cities in Washington, is surrounded by farmland. And so you had farmers coming from all over the place with these great foods. And at the time, what you had, I guess, was like what a grocery store is today. But it's a it's a middleman. It's a dude who's like, cool, I'll buy your apple for five cents, and then I'm going to go sell it for a dime. And... Mm -hmm. You get your money up front, but I make my cut. And really, it was more like, I'm going to buy your apple for five cents. I'm going to go sell it for 12 cents. So I'm making bank. And in 1907, specifically, I guess the price of onions rose so astronomically high that Seattle City Councilman Thomas Reveal said, "Uh uh-uh, no, fuck that. I want to eat my onions, but not at these prices. We're going to (laughs) make... (laughs) <laughs> That's how it happens. Just picturing him like in in a big legislative room of some kind, up at a podium with just a big honking yellow onion in his hand, just like slamming it. This will not stand. This will not stand. What rap music video is it? But anyway, it's it's like a UN council meeting, but it's just these old white guys that are trading verses of this rap. I'll have to send it to you, but that's how I want this to be. I just, I want Councilman Thomas Reville to be up there being like, I'm a bag of dicks, y'all better eat me, basically, over these okay, onions. I was very excited to hear your onion rap. I was just sitting back for that one. We'll maybe do that at the end, you know. Okay. Um, we'll save it. I'm sure I can come up with something. But... He said, no, let's make a public marketplace where farmers can come and they can sell directly to the consumers. We're going to cut out the wholesalers. And so that's what he did. He opened part of a wooden roadway to farmers in August of 1907. I'm going to make my own market. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> he just, he totally cut out these price gougers like Jesus yelling at the money changers or some shit. But the first day this market was open, August 17th, 1907, six to 12 farmers show up. We don't have the exact number, but you know, figures vary. It was up to 12 farmers show up on this wooden boardwalk downtown. They sell out all of their produce by noon. People are into it. They want to buy directly from the farmers. So Councilman Ravel was like, yes, great. We're going to make this an actual thing. You're not just going to be a boardwalk. It's not going to be like this level place in downtown. We're going to build some shit. So he gave a speech that actually I thought was really touching. It's memorialized on the market today, but this is what he said when he officially opened the market. He said, the market is yours. I dedicate it to you and may it prove to benefit you and your children. It is for you to protect, defend, and uphold, and it is for you to see that those who occupied it treat you fairly. This is one of the greatest days in the history of Seattle. (laughs) He said that? He said that, yes. Why don't I end more things like that? (laughs) This is one of the greatest days in the history of the United States. It sounds like something your kid would say. Thank you for my Starbucks order. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, we know the market is popular. We know that there's room for more than just a couple of wagons. So that same year, 1907, developer Frank Goodwin, who had made a fortune in, guess what? The Klondike Gold Rush. He came down and began construction on the two permanent arcades that make up today's permanent covered structure. And he became the first manager of the market. Arcades, Devin, do you mean video games? I do not mean video games. This is not a throwback to Polybus or Polybius <laughs> or however I should pronounce it. No, Liz, what I mean is arcade is in the Victorian term for almost a promenade or a gathering space. One place where people would okay, come we got to play. Voice now. <laughs> 
Whatever do you mean, Liz? I live in this voice now. Are you have you been taken hostage? <laughs> Are you safe right now? <laughs> I just wanted to tell you I was setting you up for an easy layup to explain a concept. Jeez. You get nothing done around this woman. What are you talking about? I away with nothing. With nothing. I answered you your question. You mirror me so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I do mirror you. People would say that is either a sign of, I've read it, that it is either a sign of a very weak personality or a very strong personality. Either you are so weak that you're willing to be subsumed by anybody else's meter or patterns of speech or it's that you're extremely empathic and very strong and powerful and you're trying to bend them to your well will by by mirroring their speech the second one sounds sexier so i'm gonna go with that i'm gonna go with that too it does sound sexier it's a victorian promenade a victorian promenade the arcade as it were So, but Frank Goodwin isn't the ghost that we're talking about. The ghost we're going to talk about is Frank Goodwin's nephew, Arthur. (laughs) His non-union equivalent. His (laughs) non-union, his proxy. Okay. What happened to Artie? I... Nothing bad happened to Artie. This is this is a happy ghost story. He stays in the place that he loved. You see, because Artie was born... We're just going to go with Artie now. Uh, he, <laughs> I made that. You made that happen. I love it. He was born in... <laughs> like, I still think of that one historic figure in Spokane as Tugboat Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> you did that. You did that. Yeah, responsible for that one. Oh, okay. man. No. So, Artie. Artie. Arthur was just... Um, he was just a cool... Cool guy. He was born in 1887. He became manager of the market in 1915. He had a ton of interests. He was part of like the Elks Club and civic circles, and he was an avid golfer and was parts of these other like charitable societies. But he was just one of the dudes that helped old Frank build the market and then was like, cool, I'm going to be assistant manager in 1915. And then when I buy out my uncle's share of the market, I'm going to be the manager of the market for the next 20 years. Okay. He hangs out. He has a vision. He has a vision, dude. He's got an office above the market. So if you're looking at Pike Place Market, this probably only makes sense to people in Seattle, but it was important to me to visualize where the fuck this was. If you're looking at the main entrance to Pike Place Market, this is the one people know of that has the brass pig in front of it. Mm-hmm. And you take the picture, you it's take got the, the sign. Exactly. You can go down the alleyway to the gum wall, um, but up the alleyway, like if you look at the building that's several stories up that alleyway, that's what is now the Goodwin Library. But back in the day, that was Artie's office. Yeah, so Pike Place is on, because of the whole water oh, yeah. part it's so damn steep i really oh my can't God. do justice no. to how damn steep it is like you will regret wearing high heels you <laughs> you can park and then you take an outdoor elevator yep. which is an upsetting combination of words yep oh and to you get to this thing you will take that up outdoor elevator up about halfway and have to get out and cross the street and go to another outdoor elevator that's yeah. how steep this is, and that would be going down, what, like, four blocks? It's mm-hmm. it, it's just absolutely phenomenal, the steepness of this slope. Which means if you're at the water and you're looking up toward Pike Place, you see why the basement levels of Pike Place go on forever. It is a rabbit warren down there. They actually they call it the Down Under, and it is level after level of shops offices bizarre nooks it's so it weird really as you get turned around really and easy i gotta yeah. say for like a gigantic well-known outdoor market it's amazing that i feel like every time i've been to pike place i've ended up in some sketchy alley oh yeah or some bizarre parking garage yep you get there's no straightforward route like no. you have to kind of lose a little bit of your soul and answer the riddles three, mm-hmm. and and then you can mm-hmm. buy some fresh flowers. <laughs> for so cheap. For mm-hmm. so cheap. Ten bucks for one of those giant bouquets. My goodness, it's worth it. 
Now, I know people are screaming because we haven't explained the ghost yet, but you did allude to the gum wall, and I feel like it's a now or never on the gum wall. It is. Do you want to talk about the gum wall? No, I want you to. It's disgusting. It is (laughs) probably the biggest health hazard since Liz talking to me about the glad handing that happens at churches where you all just (laughs) exchange whatever virus you have. It is... The brick wall, you know, cobblestone alley, it's got a brick wall where most of the gum is. There's, of course, stone and brick wall on the other side. There's a bizarre Sarah Winchester Mystery Mansion part of an office that's now like a writing space that covers in part of it where the floor of that would be the roof of this alley. I don't know how the gum wall started, I know that it will end with fire. <laughs> it's so gross. But it's become this place where people go and they leave their used chewing gum on this wall. Mm-hmm. And periodically, Hundreds, the city scrapes thousands. it down and it builds back up in a day. It's so much gum. Disgusting. So much chewed gum. It's disgusting. And you have all the Instagram influencers there, like, taking the perfect angle of them with their nasty-ass piece of gum that they nasty-ass stuck on this nasty-ass wall. Horrifying. Some extremely dark spirit is receiving a very specific tribute Ugh, on that wall. What a tribute. This is like the... But it's like the Ravens at the Tower, you know? If we ever stop putting <laughs> gum on that wall, Seattle will fall. Seattle will fall. It truly will. Oh, it's nasty, you guys. It's so gross. <laughs> okay, so the Goodwin office. The Goodwin office. It is uh, the Goodwin library. It's a, a very pretty space. You can have like an intimate wedding there. There's like this big long table. But the point is, back in the day, it was Artie's office. And what people report seeing now is they'll look up toward those windows and see an anachronistically dressed man, most oftentimes practicing his golf swing. Okay, that's good. I was going to say, I really hope I don't haunt work after I die. No. But it sounds like he's just dicking around. He's just dicking around. No, he's just having the time of his life. He apparently loved the market. It was a big deal for him, for his family. He died in the 1950s in Salt Lake. So once he quit being the manager of Pike Place, he moved out of the state. Died. Yeah, died. Yes, don't ever leave. But I just think that's really sweet that he loved the market enough (laughs) that you just kind of see him, yep, practicing his golf swing. I love that that's the mundane thing Mm -hmm. that his spirit loop is doing. Mm -hmm. Like, all the things he did in his life, and for some reason the imprint is that. That's it. That's amazing. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Like, in in 50, well, I'll be nice. I'll say 100 years, the inhabitants of my house are going to be like, she just sits there looking at everything on Netflix, but not picking anything. (laughs) For hours. It's like one of of my favorite tweets of all time is marriage is asking each other what you want to eat for dinner until you both die. Yep. And that's me on Netflix as well. Yeah, uh, it has a spiritual successor, which is let's get married and have kids so that you can cook things they won't eat and I'll go around turning off lights. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. They nailed it. That's the whole thing. That's the institution right there. Nuclear family. Aww. (laughs) Um, Well, the cool thing about Artie is that we can actually trace him. There's all kinds of articles that you can find on him. Articles. Articles. (laughs) The Articles of Incorporation. So he's a ghost that... The story has some legs. We often talk about how hard it is to find ghost stories where there's a a traceable. Yeah. uh, They're like a woman, a newlywed on her honeymoon, threw herself out the window in this year. And you're like, "Uh, the hotel wasn't open. Uh It was never a bridal destination. Mm -hmm. And there's no indication that such a person existed, stayed here, or that anyone died here. Yes. Yes. Help me out. Meet me halfway on this. Meet me just a little closer. (laughs) Well, the next ghost I'm going to tell you about, no one met me the fuck halfway until I was like four articles deep on this one. Okay. This this is a ghost, unlike Frank Goodwin or Arthur Goodwin, who is traceable. She's untraceable, but she's known by a very colorful moniker. She's known as the Fat Lady Barber. Rad. 
what you would think would be that she was perhaps a hairdresser, and instead, all the articles you get say she was a songstress and a thief. Okay, I was just stuck on figuring out whether Lady modified fat or barber, but apparently it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, Lady modifies... I, well, she was a Lady Barber, I guess. Wait, so she was a lady who cut men's hair, or she barbered ladies' hair? Wouldn't that be great to know? I couldn't even fucking <laughs> find out that she was a barber until the fourth article everything else was just like here's how the story here's how i heard the story liz the first like four things i read was hey once upon a time in the 1950s there was a fat lady barber she would she worked somewhere in the market she would sing people to sleep and then steal the contents of their pocket and one day the floor fell open and she fell in it and died Oh, it was like a story your kid wrote. I this was a story a kid wrote after coming halfway down the stairs after bedtime and seeing part of Sweeney Todd, (laughs) but not the whole thing. But not the whole thing. No, thankfully, finally, I was able to trace this back as far as I could. The most complete article I got was from Seattle PI, which is. The legend goes, in the 1950s, there was a woman who cut hair who worked in the market. She had an incredibly soothing voice, and she would sing lullabies to her clients. When they fell asleep in her barber chair, she would rob them. And Worth it. it. That's some ASMR shit right there. Oh, God, I would pay you to sing me songs and play with my hair until I fell asleep. That's fine. I'd be like, ah, the 20s in my wallet, Marge. Yeah, go for it. I'll see you same time (laughs) next week. And the story continues that one day the floor in the Down Under, which is the lower part of Pike Place, caved in. She fell through the hole to her death and her ghost is still heard mostly by maintenance workers as the disembodied, beautifully singing voice of a woman. At this point, I consider these first draft ghosts. They're oh, like yes. the ghosts from that part where you've got the board up and you're like, okay, no wrong answers. And somebody's like, ah, oh, she's a uh, uh, barber. Yeah. Somebody's like, yeah, she um, she robs her clients. She sings. Oh, yeah, she sings. Yeah. And then later after she dies, she can sing. Okay, but what about the floor? What does she felt? You're like, too many elements. Too There's many too notes. many elements. There's absolutely too many elements. Y'all are, why the, why, why, why would she bring them into her place of employ and then lull them to sleep and then yeah, Robin. it's a pretty solvable crime. It's a really solvable crime. It's so, so... Marge, what the fuck happened to my wallet while you were cutting my hair mm-hmm. and I fell asleep? Well, I don't know, good sir. Well, <laughs> it's gonna be a problem, Marge, because I can't pay you for the haircut Because I can't now. pay you for the haircut. Good also, th- your turnover in your barber chair is atrocious. <laughs> because everyone's falling asleep no. and then standing around for 20 minutes trying to figure out how to pay you for the haircut. <laughs> right? Think it through. First draft ghost is my new way to thank you so much for giving a shorthand to what this is. This is absolutely a first draft ghost. I did try to find some substantiation of any of the ghosts. You know, we associate hauntings with a traumatic incident that happened on the site, uh, typically a death, and I can't find a record. And it seems impossible to me. That not one person in the last 20 years, even, of, you know, Google collecting news articles hasn't had a stroke and died while doing their market shopping or had a heart attack in the men's room or something. But I can't actually find a single news article saying that someone has died in Pike Place Market. Oh shit! So that's that's strange in itself. Isn't that bizarre? I mean, ta- but yeah, I feel like I don't know. There there comes a certain osmotic process where I feel like if we there had been a giant collapse in Pike Place Market, I could be wrong, but I feel like we would have known about it. I think we would have known about it. Somebody straight through the mm-hmm. damn floor. Yeah, and I have a nasty feeling that that's why fat is in the story. Yes. If somehow this is like she contained the seeds of her own demise yes. because she was greedy and... and Gluttonous. Um, gluttonous. Thank you. I could not come up with a word for that. And therefore somehow she fell through the floor? Yeah, I guess. 
I guess it's like this Rumpelstiltskin thing, you know, she stamps her little foot and just, whoom, mm-hmm. hell opens up to swallow her whole. Yeah. Wow. I don't like that ghost story because as you beautifully sum- summed up, it is a first draft ghost story. I'll tell you one that I do like, though. Mm. This one is Jacob, the bead shop boy. Okay. Like the lady barber, Jacob is a ghost that is supposed to haunt in the down under section. That's apt. <sighs> Isn't it? I mean, who? I'm not going to haunt the up above. That's not haunting. That's heaven. So The vibe down there is a little strange. It's bizarre, isn't it? Uh, So you've been to Pike Place, obviously. Yeah. Ah, yeah. I was... Last time with you, I think. That's right. I think we left Liddy in the care of her papa, and you and I had a minute to wander around. It was free comic book day. It was. We went and dunked on Chuck or Cherries. (laughs) 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 Fucking clowned on them. (laughs) Dabbed on that shit. Oh, my goodness. But downstairs is like... Import shops where you're not really sure they're interested in selling anything. Oh, yeah. And also, like, a magic trick shop. Mm-hmm. And those giant shoes I know we've talked about in yes. some other episode. Yes. And the ceilings are just, like, a little low for 21st century yeah. code. And yeah. because the floor slants, oh. it's kind of like in, I want to say it's, like, from the Haunting of Hill House or something, or the House on Haunted Hill, yeah. I can never keep those straight. There's some famous haunted house of literature where the walls aren't set at 90 degree angles, so it really messes with your inner sense of where stuff is supposed to be. Okay. And Pike Place is like that, but on the horizontal. Oh, so, where yeah. Where you go downstairs and you're like, okay, I went down a flight of stairs. I'm one level down. Yeah. But then you're slowly walking down uh an angled floor Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you're two three stories down and you did not know you had no idea or you you walk over to some flat area and because seattle is made of hills where you could walk uphill both ways to school if you played it right (laughs) like you walk downhill and then you can see out a window still yeah and you don't know how that happened the down under it's the down under in so this is this is a, the first i mean again it's so hard to quantify levels of down under it's not immediately below where they throw the fish you know where there's a bathroom and there's an import shop and there's a restaurant and there's a cool bookstore you have to go down another ramp and this is the part of pike place market that has some kind of leftover like boardwalk carnival sideshow attractions um, mm-hmm. where you can you can pay a dime to like look in a slot to see the world's biggest shoe or you can stand yeah. next to a painting of the world's tallest man. So this is... You, you definitely fall through time yeah, by the time you're at that level. Yeah, right? So this is, it's space 415, which doesn't mean anything to you if you're not familiar mm-hmm. with Pike Place, but it's near the comic book shop and it looks out over the water. So even though you are two and a half stories down, the back of the shop is all windows and you're looking out. I mean, you could fall a couple stories if you fell out that window or you look out into the bay. Super disorienting. But, uh, you know, great daylight basement, I guess. <sighs> Jacob is the name of a mischievous spirit entity that Ram and Nina, the owners of the Bead Zone, which is the store that in 2010 occupied number 415, uh, believe they encountered. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So what started, I guess, the encounters was just kind of Harmless poltergeist activity. They would organize their beads, you know, sort things, tidy up the shop, button it all up at night. And when they came back the next day, they'd notice that the beads were all mixed up. You know, they had mm. they had organized strings by color. And then the next day, oh, my goodness, this yellow strand is over here with the purples. How dare it? Isn't that strange? Mm-hmm. And what they noticed in particular was that red... Red was a color that was frequently messed with. Like, they would have these big barrels, these big 
bins of multicolored assorted beads out and customers would go, you know, I just can't find any red in here. And they'd look up and they'd say this to Ram, one of the owners, and Ram would go, look again. And they'd look back down and there was a single red bead exactly in the center of this this mountain of beads. It's a very sixth sense. Very sixth sense, you see. The color red is something that the spirits like. Um, Nina was on the phone one day early in all of this, and she was having a very heated conversation. And while she was doing this, a string of red beads came flying off of the walls to land at her feet. And okay. so they started thinking, oh, well, we have a ghost and it's not hurting anyone. It seems kind of playful. It seems kind of like it wants attention. There was another employee that I guess before the shop was open for the day, she was walking around, you know, saying, well, I'm not sure which necklace I'm going to wear today, you know, because they would wear some of the stuff they had because you can you can display it and sell it that way. And as she was going, mm-hmm. I don't know what to wear a string of uh, a beaded string, a beaded necklace flew off the wall and landed her at her feet. And of course the center bead matched exactly the shade of blue on her shirt. Oh, and I thought it would be red. It was not red. This one was blue in particular. Nina and Ram just arbitrarily, as far as I can tell, give this energy the name Jacob. They feel as though it is a young, playful boy that was somehow attached to the space, to Pike Place. Um, And what they also noticed was that it appeared as though when they're looking at the space from the outside down by the water, there were a couple more windows than they actually could see out of in their space. This I liked as well. So I guess they go into their shop and they start knocking on walls and they realize it's hollow. So Nina and Ram start tearing down this wall to find out that the space that 415 could be has been cut in half. Part of it's been walled off. And, you know, it's got kind of a janky floor, so it seems like it was just a slapdash. Well, we don't have to refinish the whole thing. Let's just wall it up and we'll use half of it. But as they tore it down, they found in the windowsill of one of those windows that they could see piles of beads, piles of pennies, and also packets of beads from their own store with their own handwriting on it. Oh. So somehow, you know, it's it was a totally sealed off room. There was no way to get into this, but somehow there were these these little kind of cairns of treasures. And so this further cemented for them for whatever reason that the spirit was a mischievous little child and he was collecting these um these little gugas and and shiny things like a little magpie. So I've come to a different conclusion but I've also had pet rats. You've also so. had pet rats. See I I thought that sounded very pack ratish, didn't it? Mhm. But Nina was super willing to talk to reporters about this. So whenever anyone wanted to do a story about the ghosts of Pike Place in the early 2010s, Nina was willing to talk about Jacob and the experiences. So then, of course, people are like... Nina's a goddamn marketing genius. Nina is so fucking (laughs) smart, dude. Yeah, we've got a ghost in, like, every bead here. Like, they're Mm -hmm. all haunted as shit. Uh... Word got out. They had a ghost. So then you'd have, you know, ghost enthusiasts, I suppose you could say, come to the shop and they would try to talk to Jacob and, and make him do stuff. And I guess most of the time, nothing happened. You know, Jacob was not your beck and call poltergeist, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But one time, a group of Girl Scouts came in and they were like, hey, show yourself, do something so that we know that you're here. What badge was that for? (laughs) (laughs) They were in the weeblos. (laughs) I put the wrong emphasis on that part. I shouldn't have emphasized the wee. I meant to emphasize the boo. 
Fearing the wolves. Yes. Yes. Millennial Girl Scouts have an urban ghost hunting badge, and I'm here for that change. Anyway, I guess when they asked for a sign of his presence, they were overcome by the smell of wet hay and horse manure. Interesting. Interesting. So, what Nina and Ram deduced from that was, oh, okay, back when the market opened, back in 1907, any little street kiddo, any orphan who wanted to make a couple pennies took a little wagon down to the market and would ferry your goods on their little wagon um, for a couple of pennies, or they would go to the stables and they would groom your horse, or they would talk to the stable master and muck out the stalls for a little bit of money and a place to sleep that night, you know, on the hay under a horse blanket. So now Nina and Ram... They believe Jacob's origin story was that he was one of those orphans or street-living children who plied his trade at the market in the stables, and that his spirit today is still at the market, and he's just kind of hanging out looking for friends. Well, I don't know about the validity of their research, but I really approve of how they've tied the elements together here. Oh, haven't they wrapped that up in a neat little bow? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how he died, but it's okay, because we don't really want to think about that. We don't want to think about that. And you want to talk marketing genius? So the bead uh, bead shop is out of business. I I can't find any record of it anymore, so I, I can't even find a place where it moved on to or it became something but what's in there today what's in 415 is a it's a boutique pet store called Mary Tales and what they've done is put out a basket of toys with a little sign that says Jacob's toys in case oh Jacob the ghost is still around and wants something to play with I love that wait what do they sell uh, pet supplies Okay, but there's not actually, like, kittens and puppies there. No, there's not kittens and puppies there, which would be too frickin' adorable. I yeah. yeah, but they put out a little basket of human toys called Jacob's Toys. That's very sweet and thoughtful. I thought them. that was really sweet. Yeah, but definitely... Th- thumbs up, everybody. A plus. A plus. Do that. I mean, and that's... Shoot, dude. That costs you nothing. If you are wrong and there is no ghost, then you still have a <laughs> <Yeah>. sweet thought. <laughs> If you are right and there is a ghost, it is not haunting you at night. Yeah, plus it's going to be a little tougher if you're like, hmm, what should I set out today? And Jacob just fecks like a gigantic rawhide bone at you. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> Jacob, I don't want your help. I don't- <laughs> Last time you spilled a 40-pound bag of kibble, I was cleaning it up for weeks. Yep. yep. The fourth ghost, the final ghost I want to introduce you to this episode is the one that I call Madame Nora Psychic Explora. <laughs> but not the not the last ghost of the market, which not, is so fun. Not the last ghost of the market. I think we absolutely <sighs> will have another episode with further ghosts of the market. But Madame Nora. Madame Nora. Madame Nora is another very difficult one to trace. Most Articles, blog posts, you know, like listicles I can find online are just repeating the same couple of bleh. Mm -hmm. But what I was able to dig up was, according to legend, when the market opened, there was a psychic named Madame Nora who... Hmm. In 1907? In 1907. I... Didn't know you could do that out in public in 1907. I mean, that was that was like... <laughs> Ask the Long Beach Spook Trust. Yeah, you're right. Oh my God, you're <laughs> right. I forgot about that. Um, but when the, when the market opened, she apparently had a small shop in the down under that she called the Temple of Destiny. And, Good. Wow. So is the down under just completely occupied by marketing geniuses? Uh, clearly. Clearly. That is where the smart people go hang out. They're all mole people. They're all genius mole people. But Madame Nora was most renowned for her crystal ball gazing. That was the divination that mm. she was good at. And what 
I was able to find the most information was I'll, I'll call out two books. One is, oh my God, dude, books like this, they love their subtitles. They all have a title yeah. and then it's a million word subtitle. So the first one is Haunted Washington, Uncanny Tales and Spooky Spots from the Upper Left Corner of the United States by Adam Wong. I might have that one. You might have that one. <laughs> I We absolutely need this one if we don't. It's called Haunted Old West. Phantom Cowboys, Spirit-Filled Saloons, Mystical Mind Camps, and Spectral Indians by Matthew P. Mayo. Hmm. That I don't know. That I don't know. But according to these two books, Madame Nora died. And upon her death, her crystal ball ended up with the, the nearby shop called Pharaoh's Treasure. And this shop this curiosity shop once they acquired madame nora's crystal ball they ended up with poltergeist activity oh yeah so stuff oh my fucking god the cat just rubbed up against my leg <laughs> i heard the cat coming oh i did not i'm gonna piss my pants <laughs> Oh, See, my I had it together earlier because I had my eyes closed and was listening to you, and I'm at the dining table, and I <gasps> opened my eyes, and Matt had snuck in to get his laptop. Fuck. And suddenly there was a whole ass human there. There was a whole ass I human. I kept it together. Fuck this you, is a, Matt. I don't think that I'm an easily spooked person, but we get into a ghost episode like this. I'm like, <laughs> <gasps> Okay, did you survive the cat? I'm fine. I feel the adrenaline in my, like, my <laughs> neck is tense. That's good. That's good. Use it. Madam Nora Carry got it me. Madam Just Nora. ride that energy. Just riding it. Pharaoh's treasure had poltergeists. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Holy shit. So, wait, it's not funny. It's not funny. You're a turd. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. You're welcome. So, apparently, when Pharaoh's Treasure got really fucking tired of, like, shit's moving all over the store, they gave it to Market Magic Shop, which... How many fucking magic <laughs> shops are in this place? That's, that's all the basement <laughs> is! Hammock District. It's like, well, I mean, it's across the street from the magic shop, and across the aisle, we've got the other magic shop. It's next to the old magic <laughs> shop. I think there's a new magic shop opening up. <laughs> Well, you know, when the Temple of Destiny closed, there that created a vacuum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too opened. Too opened. Exactly. It's a circle of life. It is. Well, according to uh, these books, Market Magic Shop is who finally acquired Madame Nora's crystal ball. And they are in business still today. They've been in business in the market in that space for 46 years. I reached out to them on social media to say, do you have Madame Nora's crystal ball? If so, can I come down and check it out? And they did not get back to me, but I will (gasps) update you if I can get a hold of them because they don't list it on their website. And if I had a whole ass crystal ball that was haunted by the poltergeist of a psychic, do you know how many times a day I would post about that? Well, especially if you're a magic shop. It'd be one thing if you were, like, a legal office. And you're like, yeah, we don't want to talk about it. But, like, that's your whole situation. That's your ish, man. That's I'm not sure these people are qualified to be in the down under. I'm not sure they have the marketing uh, chops for it. They clearly don't. But, hey, VV, my aesthetic, hire me. I've got some marketing chops. I mean, you would have to have zero marketing chops to not market the fact that you've got this haunted-ass crystal ball. <laughs> we may not be everybody's target market, though. I think we have to accept that. <laughs> I don't know. I've been alive almost as long as they've been in business. And I feel as though I have marketed myself to the target audience that will love me quite effectively. I found you, after all. That's true. We have. That's true. I'm just thinking about when I tell people how old my house is. And they're like, ooh, is it haunted? And I'm like... No. (sighs) You want to come over and we'll make it haunted? (laughs) You do have your very own dungeon. Things that go bump in the night, indeed. (laughs) Indeed. I'll show you why they call poltergeists the noisy ghosts. (laughs) 
such a roll tonight. I, I love it. I am. I am. I am on a roll, and those are the four of the many, many supposed ghosts who have joined Princess Angeline in their afterlife quest to make one of Seattle's coolest places a little bit cooler. That is fantastic. Can I have my onion wrap now? Lay down a beat for me. (laughs) You know I can't beatbox. That's not fair. (laughs) That's just not fair at all. Uh, 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 uh. Yo, I got more layers than an onion skin. And it don't matter if you're fat or thin. I ain't gonna gouge your prices. I ain't gonna... Sing you to sleep. Sing you to s- <laughs> I ain't gonna gouge your prices. I ain't gonna list your vices. I'm just gonna sing you to sleep while I creep and pick your pockets. She did it. <laughs> <laughs> she did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never doubt my moon wife. Oh, never. Never ever. If you could see how red my face is right now, <laughs> you would know why we don't do this on TV. <laughs> <laughs> you're awesome you're awesome Kimball you did a fucking onion wrap what, off the dome off the dome my friends seriously if you could see how red I was I'm surprised my fire <laughs> alarm is not going off Ooh. I'm surprised your fire alarm didn't go off cause it was fire it was fire <laughs> fucking lit this shit Alright, my friends, (laughs) if that hasn't scared you away from me forever, I would love it if you'd come hang out with us on social media. We are having a ton of fun. We just hit 777 followers on Facebook. We are on Instagram, of course. We're on Twitter. These days, we are kind of your your fairy meme mothers, I, I feel. We serve you up a whole lot of memes and if that's not the most millennial sentence I've ever said, I don't know what is. <laughs> we. I, well, also your strange Northwest news, whenever I find that. Well, yes. The Alaskan dentist the Alaska- who got in trouble for hoverboarding during dental procedures. Yeah. Yeah. No. That was the one where I commented where I'm like, I don't even need to read the article. Just the, I'm, I'm satisfied by the headline. It's marvelous. So it's the kind of thing where you're like, if I dig deeper, it's going to be sad and alarming. Oh, but yeah. This by itself is pretty magical. He's like some Alaskan dental version of the Unipiper in Portland. <laughs> Isn't he just? Oh, yeah, my. Yeah, he's currently cycling all over covered in Christmas lights. Oh, God, <laughs> As love is him. his style. We, I love that guy. We salute you, Unipiper. Yep. We also salute all of you who have joined us on Patreon. Thank you so much. It is your donations, big or small, that uh, keep our website rolling, for sure. Mm-hmm. Folks, we want you to join us in all of those places. But, of course, you know what we really want you to do. We want you to live weird. Die weird. And we want you to stay weird, please. Th- thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Look at you coming in right under the wire of the hour. Boom! What a pro. Even with a rap phone in.